good evening. And what are, what are we doing here? This is after service, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So what do we do here, Brian? Do the, do the elevator pitch for us. Well, what we do is we usually chat for a moment about life and stuff like that. But um, b- before we get it, talk about life a little bit, let me tell you a little bit about the service and about the message. We talk a little bit about the message. We're in Ma- um, Mark chapter 8. And what we're doing is we're looking at this section about 24-ish through about 30, 31. And in a nutshell, um, it starts with Mark presents a healing, a two-part healing of a man named who is blind. And it, it's really a metaphor for what's happening in everybody's lives. It That they have three stages. They have the stage of being blind, not getting anything. They don't even understand what they don't understand. Part Then they move towards the one where he, they can kind of see, like the man there, he can kind of see, the blind man can kind of see. Finally, he fully sees. And this is a metaphor for what's happening with the disciples and with everybody. Right after that, what Mark does is he presents Peter with this amazing declaration that Jesus is the Christ in contrast to, the, to, to everybody else who thinks Jesus is a really amazing guy, a prophet, really good, but they fall way short by just calling him a prophet and he's not, not that he, and, and not say that he's the Messiah. So Peter gets it right. But then immediately after that, what Mark does is he he slams Peter pretty hard for getting the title right, but not understanding what that means. Jesus rebukes him very harshly because what happens at this point is Jesus says, I, who I am, who what the Christ means is that I'm the person who's going to die and raise again. And Peter's understanding of who Jesus is, that is completely incompatible with. He gets the title right, but he has no idea really who Jesus is. And so uh, Peter gets massively rebuked by Jesus. Thus, the message is Peter can partially see. And the message for us is we may get the title right, we may understand a little bit, but if you try to understand Jesus apart from his death and resurrection, you you don't understand him. In fact, you're you're at odds with who he is. There you go. You jumped right in. I, I, I said elevator speech, and really what I meant was tell people what the podcast is about, but you, you jumped right in, so... Uh, I thought that's what you wanted. You usually call that the elevator speech. You're right. You know, when I, and... and, and I knew immediately when I said that, I'm like, Uh-oh. he could interpret this one way or the other. Um, but thank you for sharing that. I'm going to come back to that. But I, I just wanted to ask, you know, we're in the middle of the Olympics. Have you been watching anything? Not really. Not you know, feeling it? Yeah. There's a mixed things. I mean, I used to like it. But honestly, and this maybe you can appreciate this, the last time I tried to watch a little bit of the Olympics, and it's just seared in my mind, was when Dad was in hospice. He was dying. Okay. It was on, and he had zero interest in it. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of put perspective on it. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. For a guy who likes sports, that's interesting. So no, I kind of watch it a little bit, but 
it's lost its luster for me. Yeah. Well, I, no, I appreciate that. Um, because I'm, I'm watching it and with interest, but it's different than it has been. Um, mm. When I think about the Olympics, I think about 1984. Mm. To me, that... Um, you know, I was, uh, it was summer. I was 13, going to turn 14 that year. Uh, I remember I was heading to Camp Baldwin, which is a Boy Scout camp. And I got my horsemanship merit badge, which to me, growing up in a family where we had horses and uh, we took a certain amount of pride in being cowboys, like literal, you know, ranchers and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was so proud to get that merit badge. Uh, but that's what 84 Olympics was going to McDonald's, getting the scratchers that if the, you know, if we got the gold in these things, then you got fries and a burger. I mean, it's just, I think of that. Um, but I was just talking to Vanessa before we came on about there's an expectation that the U.S. is going to win. X number of medals and, and we do, you know, I, I was watching water polo and we were just destroying Canada, like 11 to two or something like that. And it's like, eh, it's not that much fun before the service. We were talking about rooting for underdogs mm. and there's that tendency to, you know, oh, you know, I, they're the favorite, let's root for the other people. So I find like when I watch us, with sports, if we if it's not competitive, as in we are dominating, I tend to not be very interested. Hmm. You know, whereas if if it's really like I, just, I watched a baseball game, United States versus Japan, that was really competitive, and we actually lost by a run in extra innings. Uh, sorry for anybody who was waiting to watch that, but I don't think anybody was. Um, but. Uh, that engaged me and mm. and and that actually made me think of your message uh, because the United States is you know the, the expectation is we're going to dominate or we're going to win x number you know and the uh, the, yeah. the as the Jews were thinking about uh, hey warrior king and Jesus subverted that yeah, you know, how expectations really affects what you see and how you interpret it. And when Jesus redefines what is it, what is the Messiah, it just, it's incomprehensible to Peter, let alone anybody else. It's not supposed to be like that. He's supposed to be, yeah, be this nationalistic warrior king who's going to get rid of the, the Gentiles and the impurity and, you know, all of this, this life, this world kind of thing. And he has no interest in it. In fact, it's the very opposite of that. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think we appreciate that very often, mostly, because we're so used to 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 the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection, that we like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's what's supposed to happen. Well, we, um, it's like watching a rerun of a a sports uh, of a game where you see a team that was the underdog come from behind and win at the last second. You know, 
hockey, the, the hockey, the hockey game. exactly. I, that's exactly what I was thinking of is that the miracle on ice. We already know right. what happens, and so we can watch that. And we can we can we can be entertained by that, etc. But we don't have the context for how that really um, was beyond any expectations. Mm-hmm. And for people watching, if people experiencing that, that was not expected in any way, shape, or form. In any way, shape, or form, yeah. Um, and and so we are looking back and go, it, well, it's like watching a movie with a remarkable twist in it. Uh, a movie that we're going to watch as a family here probably in the next couple of days. Ah, with a, with a number in it? That's right, yeah. That uh, one, yes. We all know, those of you who know, yes, it's that one. Once right. you know that, but you, once you know the twist, it's like, eh. It's a different movie. It's, a, uh, it's literally a different movie. Yeah, and I, and I think because we know the end of the story, which is wonderful, we don't appreciate what Peter where Peter was coming from. Right. And, and really how significant that rebuke mm-hmm. was. Oh, massively. It's you like in, in league with Satan. Whew. Yeah. That's, that's harsh. Yeah. Um, and it's still, a, it's still a stumbling block for, 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 for Jewish people today. Like Jesus cannot possibly be the Messiah because he didn't do what we think he was supposed to do. So they, they 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 reject him out of hand. There's no way. But yeah, there is a way. You just don't see it. Yeah, somebody changed the game plan. The end result is still what was expected in terms of God's victory. Right. But the manner in which it occurred was not no no one imagined that in in any way. Right. Right. Now, I, I, I want to bring up a word that you've used, and it's a word, um, uh, well, the word rebuke. And it's not a word that we really use a lot today. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, I think it would be useful, at least from my perspective, because I don't hear it like I don't hear it very much. But when we talk about rebuke, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? You know uh, what the best thing to do when you don't understand a word? Go to Google, type in the word, type in the word. Define mm. rebuke. Yeah. Yes. An expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. Yeah. It's very sharp, harsh. This is not okay. Yeah. Very hard. It's not just a, hey, I don't like that. No, 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 no. It's much harder than that. As a as a parent, I think about it, or as a child, for that matter. I th- actually, it's easier for me to think of as a child. Um, to th- uh, I remember, I remember very specifically a time when I was going to wash the car, and um, we went to where my dad worked, and they had he was uh, uh, worked for utility companies. So they had this huge operation shop where you could. So we decided we were going to wash the car as a family. Well, I got bored and I wandered off. Um, <laughs> and I remember my dad coming up to me. I think I was eight. You know, it's interesting how these things stick with you. And uh, 
he came over to me when they were done. He goes, you know how much you're getting today for this? Nothing. You're getting zero for this because you didn't help at all. Uh, which was a rebuke, you know, that's a rebuke. Um, I remember just how that stung. Obviously I, <laughs> cause I still remember still and it remember. wasn't that it was unfair, uh, it, uh, or it was not unwarranted, but I think to me, a rebuke is supposed to sting. It's delivered oh. in such a way that it, if you'll excuse the term, it leaves a mark, you know, mm -hmm. listen, I need you to understand just how wrong you are. And that, you know, this is not mm -hmm. a slight, uh, I, I remember a pastor once came up and he, it, it was a joke, but he came up, uh, but, uh, and said, um, my message today is going to be, you know, basically a stern rebuke of everybody in this church. And people were like, what? He's like, no, nah, I'm just messing with you. But I mean, uh, people were, the way he delivered it, obviously much better than me. People were like, oh gosh, what's coming? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of times we do deserve a rebuke. And, and sometimes we need it because we need to be shaken out of our thinking when it's really not right. When it's done rightly, it seems like to me it's out of love and it's to help get through the significance of their error. Yeah. It needs, I'm going to use the word piercing, but it sounds violent, but I don't really mean it that way. Uh, I almost described it as like a, a, a bracing slap to the face, but, but that's still kind of violent, but it's, I feel like it's something that's like, listen, this is important enough that you need to actually be shaken by right. this, that right. it is so serious that if you don't come away shaken, it's not, uh, my rebuke has not been effective. Right. So thinking about all of that in terms of that, that, that Peter's misunderstanding of Jesus was so significant that he had to have that level of of a rebuke to say that he to call him Satan. Get behind me, Satan! Like, ooh, and get behind me is like, stop following. Don't be my disciple. That's that's like, mm. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You are, ooh. Well, how did I mean? How did, how did Peter respond to that? I don't I don't recall them getting into that. No, it's I mean we don't we don't it doesn't record it. Um, obviously, well, Mark is understood to be Peter's recollection that Mark is simply mm -hmm. writing down Peter's story. So Peter clearly remembered it very very clearly. Now now are they going to get it fully? No, I mean he's gonna he's gonna he's going to have to tell them again at least two more times. In fact, the suggestion is that he's telling them multiple times that this is going to happen and they still don't get it. But, but we don't read again that, that Peter tries to stop Jesus from going to the cross, which is what he was trying to do. It's like, no, Peter, no, Jesus. He literally takes him aside. Like a parent would take a little child aside to say, Hey, look, you know, you're not okay here. This is wrong. And, Peter is the one that gets the rebuke. So we don't see him doing that anymore. So it had to have made at least something of an impact. You I would think. Yeah. 
uh, and, and as I start to bring that into kind of our current in, in our current world, our current environment, I wonder because we are so dug in in so many ways. What would it take to for us to receive a rebuke like that that would actually resonate? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I don't have an answer to that. Oh, I don't either. But uh, you can imagine how hard it's going to have to be. Yeah. Uh, Both I, as the church and as a culture. Yes. I, yeah, I think because it's so uh, it's so polar uh, that that's one of those things where I, I, uh, I, I, when I pray for Christ to come back, I pray for things like, could you just come in and just do a major adjustment for all of us? Cause I don't think any of us are really truly in the right place. If I'm thinking about the general culture and the Christian culture, I think, we're There's all... a lot that's not right with our with the culture and the Christian culture. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think about could you just come down and like give us a good shoulder shake? What are you thinking? <laughs> you know, and uh, I of course my thought is, what if he's been doing that and we're not listening? Well, that's why I ask about the rebuke piece. You know, that if if he was. I, I think about like if you think about marriages, you think about you know marriage relationships and how a couple will get so used to communicating to each other that in some ways subtle messages don't resonate, right? Right, and that it takes something a bit more dramatic to go. No, I'm really serious. You need to pay attention. I this is something I care about. That uh, it's like how significant or severe, if I can use that word, does that rebuke have to be? for us to wake up and go, oh, gosh. And I, I think about the Pharisees. I mean, what a splash of, you know, that, the, uh, the, the ice bucket challenge, right? You know, here's Christ going, you're wrong. You know, cold water dumped all over them, and a lot of them still didn't get it, even after that. Right, they still didn't get it. Yeah. That's, it's a little scary to think how much we could be wrong. Yeah. And I, that's kind of where I go and lean into C.S. Lewis a bit into the idea that, you know, we, we really need to be operating out of our best intentions and our best interpretation as, you know, a big dose of humility. Yeah. It's like, I'm probably wrong in some of these things, God. And I, I hope you will forgive me for that. I'm doing the best that I can. And please tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, that's some, I mean, really, that has been on my heart a lot uh, of late. I, in fact, I was, uh, our friend Ross King recently released a new album. If you don't have it yet, it's, it's very good. But uh, a big part of that is a rebuke. Um, like, hey, we're, we're not right in, the, in, in a lot of different ways. And I, and I, I listened and I went, my tendency is to go, yeah, you guys are all screwed up. And I'm listening going, oh, man, I'm screwed up. That's, that's really godly of you. Oh, well, <laughs> it's... No, I mean, I'm saying just the point of realizing that instead of just looking outward to go, okay, but I'm, I have to be wrong somewhere too. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm such a, I am so judgmental. And I'm judgmental pointing my finger at people that I think are judgmental. You know, uh, <laughs> don't uh, you think that the sins that annoy you the most are the ones are often the ones that you struggle with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so true. Uh, and it's proven over and over and over again. Uh, what, what, what that also makes me do is go, OK, so that's the obvious one. So what else is there? You know. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think I've discussed this before. I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, the the idea that. You know, when when you take your first pass with the broom, you pick up a lot of junk. But if you pass again, there's still a lot left. Mm. Uh, but you got the obvious stuff the first time. And then there's a lot of other stuff that is just there that, you know, like if you walk around with white socks, right? You're going to get the, the needles. You're going to get, you know, some of the clumps of grass and stuff that come in. But if you walk around with white socks, they're going, you're, you're, they're going to be dirty because you missed all that stuff that you didn't see. That's just right. there. And, and that's the stuff that worries me in particular are things, you know. And I, what and, am I not seeing? What am I not seeing? And, and that's why I'm grateful for things like rebuke where it's like, you know, it's the mother-in-law going, oh, look here. I guess you missed that dusty spot, you know, <laughs> uh, and it's. And that's where humility is helpful. It's like as you look at things like, God, help me see where I am not, where I'm blind. And blind. Uh, uh, so, uh, forgive me for making this so much about rebuke, but that was the thing that really resonated with me is that is how have we got it wrong? And God, can we have ears to hear how much we have it wrong? And the humility to accept that rebuke and change. I, I don't think it's a bad thing that you've made it all about this because I think that's the core point in this last chapter is that you guys don't get it right. You know, the Pharisees didn't get it right. The, 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 disciple, the disciples are not getting right. Peter, the, 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 the leader, doesn't have it right. Kind of right, but not fully and we need to we need to pray God open our eyes. You know that was the point the kind of the last couple of uh, times. And we you know we don't we don't pray that. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> let, let, let me uh, let me confess that there are definitely times when I should be praying prayers of confession when I'm like, ah, what have I really done that bad? When that is my, you know, and I'm like, and as soon as that comes out, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? You know, that, that I try to trap that because I'm like, okay, greed, lust, judgment, you know. So you don't have this figured out. And, and those it, are just the ones that you can see. Right. Those are the ones that I do a pretty good job of picking up with the, you know, first pass right. of the broom. And then there's all that, all those little micro sins there. And, you know, I, I think that's the idea of praying. I'm a sinner. Help me see these things. Help me change yeah. these things. Uh, help me understand who you are in spite of my preconceptions of who you are and where I sit in your favor or not. Yeah. And, and, and part of it is, 
a piece to shift gears just a little bit is not just simply my sin, but how I'm understanding God's actions in the world wrong, who Jesus is wrongly. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus wrong? And I don't mean, and we often equate that with living a good life, living a not sinful life. And it's like, as we're going to see in the next couple of weeks, no, no way. There's more to it than that. You know, how much have we just the pattern of life that we live in the United States, we assume that that's what it means and how to be a Christian. Yeah. Yes. That, I mean, that now you're starting to get really deeper into maybe some big golden calves there that we, mm-hmm. we think it needs to be that way. What if it doesn't need to be this way? Uh, that's huge to me. And, and I'll say that I think about Catholicism and, and not even talking doctrine, just talking about culture of um, you don't necessarily go to church because you're hoping to glean something from that, that you're help, hope, hoping that you'll continue to foster your relationship with Jesus, who he is and his sacrifice. It's like, no, you're there because your neighbor is also Catholic and they're going to know if you don't show up. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cult, cultural Catholicism is in cultural Christianity, you know, with mainline churches, for example, you know, you know who doesn't show up, you know who shows up. Are you there for the right reason? Mm. And, you know, that's something that was really striking to me because I went because my parents made me go. And in spite of that, a personal relationship developed. Mm. And so kind of coming back to your point is that, is that we have, that there are these these golden calves. There's these idols that that we that we worship that aren't uh, about Christ subverting. That's my word today. <laughs> Christ sub, subverting expectations. That you know, right now, you know, with you'll forgive me. Christianity is is a dominant religion. Maybe not the way it was 25, 30 years ago. Uh, but there's this expectation that. You know, certain things occur a certain way because we are a Christian nation. Uh, and I and I think about that and go, boy, gosh, I wish we approached this with more humility. Uh, that if we looked at it as Christ, the, the perennial underdog who overcame, that if we come underneath, we're in a much better position to lead than we are if we come over and go like that. Mm. And that's just one thought. What are the ones that we don't see? Yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to the blind piece. We don't know. That's the, and that's, that's the part that's, you know, because yeah. we buy into, we need to have a certain size of house and we have to, you know, have a certain job and we have to have a certain amount of money. And we have, you know, it just, you know, to be a Christian means that you maybe do a couple of things during the week and you go to church on Sunday. And it's like, but, but, but what what's going to take to bring out with your one of your earlier questions? What's going to take for us to get shaken out of that 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 thinking that maybe there's another way to be a Christian? Yeah, no, I, I, that's really heavy to me, and I mean that in the best possible way. 
that we may even be aware, but we don't have the courage to make the shift. True. Uh, and I can tell you that that's something that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can see how you need me to be better, Lord. And I don't do it. Yeah. Um, but the blindness, I, I appreciate that Christ illustrated the, here, you're going to get a little bit of the picture, and then I'm going to give you the whole picture. You know, it wasn't because he, and the first time I read it, I remember going, why, why, he, why, how, how did he not succeed in curing the man's blindness? This is where our expectations are based on our experience 2,000 years later and, and the, having some understanding of the stories. Well, of course he's going to cure the blindness. Then you go, well, why didn't it work the first time? Think he does anything without some intention. Right. Everything's with an intention. Yeah. Everything. Nothing is right. Ra- and, and we think, yeah, I lo- and I love that about Jesus. You know, for you and I, there is so much in our life we just do just because we do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. I'm going to turn here to go to the store rather than go another block this time. I don't know. I just am. Right. But Jesus never did that. Everything was a purposeful for to communicate something or illustrate something. And it's like, wow. Well, Amazing. just like, here's how much bread was left when we did it here. And here's how much bread was left when we did it here. Do you not see that? Right. How is that not incredibly obvious to you? Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, finger up the nose kind of stuff. It's like, are and they're you guys... not stupid. No. And that's the thing. That's the big piece of it. You know, we are not stupid. We are just not humble enough to subvert our expectations or, or uh, our assumptions to learn something, to receive a message, to be smacked yeah. in the face with. Uh, a remarkable truth because we think we've got it figured out because we think we got it figured out yeah. and 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 a partial truth can sometimes be even more dangerous oh gosh yeah because we think we do have it figured out peter peter probably acted the way he did because he had just got it right with the title so he thought he fully understood yeah. he part and so we, because we partially see, we we think we know more than we do. It reminds me, I know, I don't know how much time we have, but there, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that the people who are most incompetent in an area think they're the best. <laughs> have you yeah. not heard of this? It's it's actually no, scientifically uh, proven. Yeah. That, well, that, it's it's the idea that you don't know what you don't know. Don't know what you don't know. Right. You have a little bit of knowledge that you extrapolate in your own mind mm-hmm. to say, well, I must have this figured out. I, I encounter that all the time because of all what I do for a living. All the uh, time. And it takes for me, because I've done what I do for, you know, 20 plus years. I you know what you don't know. Uh, right. And I'm, and I'm really not afraid to go. That's not my strong suit. Right. But I've worked with people who have a, a tenth of the experience that I have who take one little nugget of experience and say, I got it. Right. And they're so dangerous. 
And it's so dangerous. And it's the people who, okay, so the people who have a little bit of information and knowledge overestimate what they can do and know, and they know. And the people who know a lot tend to underestimate because yeah. they assume everybody gets it when they don't. Yes, it's absolutely true. It's it actually all the time. It's a tenant of teaching, as a matter of fact, that's, that um, the teachers will assume that the students understand more than they do. I think I do that. <laughs> well, I, I'm afraid to condescend. And that's actually a word, you, and we're past time, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's a word you used the other day. Where the word condescend suggests, in, in our world, there's an implication that we, uh, it's an insult. If and, and condescension, to me, is one of my pet peeves. When somebody talks down to me and assumes that I don't understand something or that, uh, you know, it makes I me... I remember using the word, yeah. Um, but the idea that... God condescended, as in he brought himself down to our level, and mm-hmm. right? And that's not, he was doing that to insult us. He was doing that so um, he, we understood how he could relate to us. Right. And, yeah. and that, that's, and, and really one of the big words when I became worship leader at the church eight and a half years ago was submission, was that... Yeah. It's important that we understand when we need to submit. And it's not a bad word. It's that right. there are times when we need to look, we, 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 we need to submit to the appropriate authority. We don't, as a stubborn culture, a stubborn nation, we don't submit real well. We don't like the word. And, you know, it's, we should try to acknowledge the appropriate authorities. And I think the only way we're really going to hear what any kind of rebuke that Christ has for us today is to, you know, lay ourselves out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, fall face down, you know, I'm on the ground. Hmm. You're in charge. You tell me what to do. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, it Derek. That song on Sunday. I love that song. Derek is uh, late. Um, let's rebuke Derek now that we have the opportunity. <laughs> hey, Derek, good well, to see you. This was a really enjoyable conversation and uh, a little bit wide ranging, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Well, I, yeah, I really appreciate the message as I usually do. Occasionally, I think you're off base, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I, this is something really, the, the whole, I, I thank you for indulging me to chat about you know, humility and where rebuke fits in that. Oh, no, it was right on line with everything. It was great. So. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. Um, uh, what's, uh, I guess the last thing I'd like to ask is what, uh, what are we talking about on Sunday? It's the, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a believer? It's the take up your cross and follow me. Oh, okay. Part. Uh, hey, it's, where it's following right in this same line. It's the this this train started in seven at the end of chapter seven and finishes all the way at the end of chapter eight, and we're just finishing this whole section. So, excellent. That's it. All right. All right. And uh, say hi to Jen. She just hi said, Jen. Hi Derek. Glad you guys made it. And now it's time for us to wrap up because <laughs> um, it's time. I'm hungry, 
And uh, the Doritos that I had three hours ago ain't cutting it anymore. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to go watch a psych and have chicken sandwiches. Oh, what a wonderful choice. The yeah. sandwiches. I don't know about psych. All right. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Right. Have a good night, everybody. Take care, folks.